welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is the woman who knows how to set personal boundaries, Alex Standy. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're also privileged and glad to be joined by Sheila Kielty. Now, Sheila has uh, uh, so many of the guests who have come onto the show. She has so many interesting aspects to her story, and we're going to let her tell all those aspects herself. But we were just chatting before we, we got started here, and we learned that we have something in common because we both had an IT background before oh. we started making our transitions. So a couple I, of I honestly, this, yep. this is, this, this, <laughs> walking is great. There's nothing wrong with being yeah. a walk, right? Yeah. You know? So you know, I, I kind of feel like this is going to tie in in some way. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Like somehow IT is going to feed into this conversation. I have no idea how. So Sheila, first of all, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm delighted to be here and to be sharing information and learning things from you guys too. And um, I look forward to this. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And uh, Alex, I have to say, you're looking better. Alex has been dealing with health issues, and she's looking Aww. very healthy today. So this is yes, I'm feeling good. much better. 100%. You look it. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen you looking this good in a while. So <laughs> welcome back, right? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. It was a long road, but I'm here. Oh, You'd never know you had anything wrong. You look fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And that was something else we were talking about before we got started, Sheila, because you went through some of your own health issues. Why, why don't we start there? Talk a little bit about what you went through. Okay. Well, like I said, I had an IT firm years ago and had to sell it all of a sudden about 15, 16 years ago because I had spinal collapse. Like all of a sudden I got a spinal disease, which is, you know, it's got this very long name, but it's basically your spine collapses. And I noticed I was shorter. I didn't know what was going on. It really just boom, boom, boom spine collapse, and was going to go through one surgery. It turned into 12 surgeries and 18 fusions. Mm. I All but one level is fused in my body. I was in wow. uh, an electric wheelchair, and they also found out that I'd had lupus and I had all kinds of autoimmune oh. issues. It was just this, like, cavalcade and diabetic, and I was like, what's going on? My My entire body was just giving up on me. And I went from thin and athletic to in a wheelchair and 140 pounds overweight. I was one mm. meatball sub away from morbidly obese, like big, mm. big. And I was told, just expect that this is the way your life's going to be. You know, you right. can't move. You know, that whole eat less, move more fatal um, mm-hmm. of how our bodies supposedly work. And they said, well, since you can't move very much, just expect this is going to be you. And your life expectancy is 55. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot to take on. Yeah. But I just turned 60 10 days ago. So kind of beat those odds. Happy um, birthday. It's not a number of women really like saying, but I like saying it because I look 20 years younger than my 40 year old birthday party pictures. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to date, I've dropped uh, 138 pounds. I have a few more to go, but it's, it's happening and was able to turn my health completely around and optimize it, and have a future where I feel like a sixth grader jumping out of bed every morning. I'm not in an electric wheelchair anymore. I'm not diabetic anymore, and my lupus is so far in remission, my uh, rheumatologist said she wouldn't be able to diagnose me with lupus anymore. Wow. If you came in today, I went from 23 medications, I am on one, and I'm trying to get rid of that one. Nice. So it's just it's been a journey. And when I decided to get better, I was kind of expected to be a fat house plant in my life. And it's like, don't make a fuss. Go roll yourself over into a corner and just watch TV. You know, you're Ugh. beating your head against the wall. You're, there's no way you're going to get better. You're going to have to go to a psychotherapist and just learn to accept that this is your life. Well, I'm glad you didn't accept it, first of all. Right. Congratulations. I tried to. I tried to. I tried to follow. Okay. And I went to a therapist and he said, I can't talk you into hating your life. I'm sorry. I was just like, (laughs) this this is not a way to live is to accepting your death. So it was three in the morning, as it usually is when we have epiphanies on the computer looking something up. And I came across a way of living where it wasn't 
medication or the bariatric surgery, which nobody wanted to do on me because of, of my health. And um, it was food. It was all about how to take what nature's given us and how our bodies really work and stop listening to the food fables and, you know, the stale science from the 1970s and really start learning how this thing works. I was the girl that took apart the toaster or who wanted to know how it worked or um, got a new car and I would read the entire manual beginning to end. I was an education junkie. It's one of the things I loved about IT. You always had to learn something new. And it was that was part of the fun of it. I'm sure, Walt, you can completely get that. It's like you're Maybe in a constant way, learning just- state. We just hit the Is IT it? button. So, so we found, we, we actually got there. We're, we're, what? We got, there we go. In and we hit it already. So, there we go. Bing. Um, <laughs> bing. So, um, yeah, it started with that whole journey that I started going on and I had eye rolls. I had, okay, fine, whatever. Good, yeah, good luck kind of things. And it was a re-education process. I got, I had to find the manual for how all this works. Went back to school. I became a uh, certified mindfulness meditation instructor. That was my first step is how to deal with mindset to change how I felt from the inside out. How, what was the story that was going on in here? My identity was I was a sick person. I was never going to be well. Like all of those things that we're taught to believe about ourselves in those moments. And we all have those stories and that luggage we drag out onto the stage of life. And so I started there and that, that helped somewhat. And I went on a journey of veganism, vegetarian and uh, pescatarian and every kind of Aryan you can think of. <laughs> and it ended up being, a, I really looked more like a carbitarian. I was just eating a whole bunch of carbs all the time for the, the feel good of it. And just getting, kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was one meatball sub away from morbidly obese. I was a big girl and didn't like that. Didn't like how I felt. Didn't, it was contributing to my spinal collapse. It was just, you know, when your doctors say, we can't do surgery on you because you're too big. Yeah. You got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But it was a very long, very expensive, very frustrating process. But I got down below 200 and I thought, there, I'm all done. I got into wonderland, as they call it. And my doctor's like, no, keep going. You know, if you're going to really help yourself, got to keep going. Drop diabetes, drop lupus, you know, drop the, everything kept dropping away. And when I started feeling, you know, I got out of the electric wheelchair, like all those things started happening. And I, it just felt too good. I, I had to share what that was. I couldn't keep that to myself because when you discover something, so primal, so at the base of, of who you are, and it's so impactful. You want to help other people, and it, I ended up wanting to work with women. I have worked with men, but I, my career is, is now helping other women to optimize their health despite their age mm-hmm. or their chronic health diagnoses, you know, like the women who've been relegated to the corner to be a fat houseplant in their lives. And there's a lot of us. My oldest client is 83. She's amazing. And my youngest client is 19, but median age is around 52. So that kind of peri post menopausal kind of age when we start being relegated to the corners. And the question that I ask my clients is, what kind of an old lady do you want to be? (laughs) Really? Who do you want to be as an old lady? They say what you say. They go, hmm. Because we all know that aunt or that grandma or or whatever who was in the home, was on maybe a lot of machines, just they like they didn't take care of themselves. And nobody wants to visit them. The grandchildren are like, do we have to visit grandma in the home? Like, I didn't want to be that grandma because that was the next stage at 50 something. That was my next chapter was going to be being a grandma. My son's got to hurry up and have some kids. But (laughs) that's that's my next stage. And do I want to be rolling around in the grass and traveling and, you know, being anti-mame, kind of like doing this fun life? Or do I want to be visited in the home? And Mm -hmm. I decided I didn't want to be in a wheelchair in the corner at my granddaughter's wedding someday. I want to be dancing. I want to be cutting a rug and drive my Harley there. You know, like I want to be (laughs) cool grandma. And whatever that is for that person, what what is your authentic self? 
Do you want to be your authentic self? Do you want to have the option to do whatever you want to do and ride your Harley or whatever, ski the black diamond slopes for the rest of your, whatever that is for you. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm one of the last years of baby boomers. People my age want to stay that authentic, youthful self forever. And you can do that. And it comes down to the decisions you're making today truly dictate the quality of whatever those tomorrows are going to be. So the biggest regret people have on their deathbed is they didn't take care of their teeth. It was a very interesting article. In the <laughs> but, um, I believe that. You, yeah. You, you regret the things you didn't take care of when it was time. It's like when mm-hmm. your car breaks down on the side of the road and you knew you, you knew you needed to change your oil forever. It's like, ah, I ran out of oil. You know, those are the regrets. And no matter how old you are, like my 83 year old client, I asked her what kind of old lady she wanted to be. She left. She goes, I'm already an old lady. I'm like, okay, say you have 10 years left. Do you want them to be in a home? Cause she was very overweight, severely overweight, but not even diabetic. Like she had, good enough health where she had the ability to pull that back from the brink and she is enjoying life and traveling, no longer using a walker. I mean, she really is embracing life in a way that she would not have been able to otherwise. And it chokes me up. So sorry. That's fabulous. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> worth choking up. That, that's good stuff. That's really good. Yeah. Stuff. In it's fact, it's a you, passion it, it, thing for me. It, when you were telling your story, I was, I was thinking one of the seminal moments that you mentioned was when you left the electric wheelchair behind. And I'm thinking that must have been a pretty dramatic moment, emotional moment. It it was. Um, I was at physical therapy and I was almost afraid to let it go. because What if I need to sit down? He's like, then you find a place to sit down. You don't Mm -hmm. have to have this electric thing. Because remember, I'm fused from my neck all the way down. So I couldn't at the time I couldn't roll. Now, there are weeks in my life still I am very fused where I you know, full disclosure, I have a manual wheelchair that I need to use on sometimes, but I don't let that stop me. And mm-hmm. I did all of that weight loss in and out of a wheelchair, um, having good weeks, bad weeks, uh, different kind of flare ups of lupus, all kinds of things. So don't anyone listening, do not let your diagnoses put a period at the end of your story. Erase that right now. Make it a dot, 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 you know, and Start dreaming again about what you want to do because there is nothing that could be going on with you that could not be improved through food, mindset, natural ways, holistic ways. Your body knows what to do. You just have to support it in doing that. Which exactly is what Alex has been doing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what you've been going through. This has been your life for like the last, what, year or so? Two years. Two years? Is it two now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So what's but going I, on, Alex? What what has been your journey? Now I'm curious. Now I want to know what, what you've been doing. So long story short, I got diagnosed with thoracic endometriosis, which is a very rare uh, diagnosis because people it it's really hard to diagnose until you're basically dying. So, yeah, almost died three times in the last few years. Hmm. And recently I had to have a Plurix catheter put in my lung for six weeks. It was, it's kind of like a at home chest tube that they drain every three days and, and to try to fill the space in my lung that was taken over by endometriosis. Cause it kept filling wow. with fluid and they didn't know why. That's fast. That's a horrible journey, by the way. You, you're such mm-hmm. a champ and you're, you're here and you're embracing life. That's wonderful. But I had no idea that endometrial tissue wasn't just in your girl parts that I thought that nope, was like, it where can it is. travel anywhere in your body. And that's the, that's the thing that people don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to have my appendix removed. It was, it was on there too. It was crazy. Parts of my bladder. I can no longer tell if I have to go to the bathroom or not. So I have to set an alarm to make sure I go. Otherwise, it's going to be a problem later well, on. I'm your sister on that one because part of the paraplegia that I was left with after I got my legs back is I have no idea when I have to go. So mm-hmm. my Alexa reminds me, okay, time to go yeah. to the bathroom. <laughs> so you just kind of get used to doing that. But I know yeah. what you, you mean. It's like you have no idea. So you don't have exactly. those signals that tell you. Right. That's That's rough. Yeah. 
I even have my like my watch remind like all these things like zzz, zzz, go, go yeah to the mine's on my phone I am, I'm always with my phone so <laughs> oh well good for you well, I'm glad you found some ways of dealing with it and that you're feeling better thank you yeah and she's big oh, on I mindset too. And that, that's why I'm, I'm thinking this is a this is a conversation I don't expect to have a lot to say in this one because I think you two are going to be carrying the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, Alex, Alex is like a well. First of all, like I said in the intro, she's very strong on personal boundaries. But but it, it goes beyond personal boundaries. She's strong on deciding what her mindset is going to be and sticking to it. She does that almost mm-hmm. better than anybody else I know. She's not the kind of person who gets easily distracted, if you know what I mean. Because so many, oh. so many of us, you know, we, we, we focus in on something and then we get drawn over here and then we have to bring it back and then we get drawn over here and we have to bring it back. Alex is like riveted. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is a talent. That is a universe given talent. I'm telling you, it really <laughs> is. Uh, not everybody can do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And I've asked her. I'll, I'll ask you again. Do you know why you're able to do that so well? But I, I've asked her this before. I, I have pretty much the same no answer. idea. That's just, the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, and that's what it's going to be. So you just have to have that type of mindset. Like just, just don't stress. It's just it's going to work out. Yeah. That's that is so it, mentally strong. I'm sorry. I try to teach people to do that, and some people. There must be a gene somewhere that allows you to do it because some people just can and some people can't. And you can't teach someone to think that way, to have a a change of mindset that way. But you seem very centered person before Walt even said there's like this very strong center to you that vibrates Mm -hmm. very loudly. Thank you. That's going to serve you well in your healing journey, too. So. Oh, good. Good Good news. And, and this is not new. This, I, in, in the time that I've known Alex, she's always had this. This, this is just part of her, yeah. who she is as a person. Which is pretty huh? wild. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it is. It's, it, I'd love I, to I, learn more about what you go through and see if, if I can add anything to, to help you at some time. I'd be happy to have that conversation anytime with you. If I know one okay. little thing that could take one half of 1% of your, stress or suffering away i'd love to be able to share that with you well thank you i appreciate that okay i can't as a person who helps people feel better i can't hear that someone is not feeling well without seeing is there something that i can do to help them it's just right right you can't not do that you know i think it's a future conversation in in the wind it's going to be coming pretty soon (laughs) (laughs) we will sometime somewhere that's far more hipaa compliant <laughs> right. uh, I like that. That's great. Uh, my goodness. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, mindset and let's talk about it in terms of how you arrived at it because you were describing for a moment there how you were doing research, you were learning about various components, the food components, and so forth. But at some point, you had to address the mindset component directly and it became a key portion of what you teach and, uh, and what you uh, help people yeah, with. Yeah, that was my first certification that mm-hmm. I had gotten. Yeah. Um, I came to mindfulness through the spinal rehab at UCLA. Um, I was in there for I don't know which surgery. And this person, I swear, was 12 years old. This guy came in with a brand new crisp white lab coat, like a brand new doctor, <laughs> baby doctor. Duty Hauser. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I had the halo on, like I was like in rehab after neck surgery. And he came in very timidly and asked me what sound, I'm sure this was not the question, but what I heard, what I interpret is, would you like to find out how this pain is all in your mind? Wow. I threw stuff at him. I like, get out of my room. Do you see the halo? This is not in my mind. Get out of here. You pipsqueak. Get out of here. Well, he came tiptoeing back in the next day. Can we, can we possibly talk some more? So I was just tired. I'm like, fine, come in. And what he said made a little bit more sense. He was talking about mindfulness. He was talking about how to be in the present and accepting, uh, whatever condition, whatever suffering and, and everything. And I wasn't ready to accept anything. <laughs> my survival was based on not accepting what people had told me. So I was like, no, get out of my room. So at the next time, and my next surgery, because I had 12 fusions and six revisions in 10 years. So I was, I was in and out of, they like had, had me on the 
frequent flyer miles in, in the rehab. So <laughs> next time we came around, I was in there, no halo this time, but I was having my lumbar rebuilt at that time. And he, door opens. He's like, did I come in? <laughs> Lab coat looks a little bit more worn in. He's got all season. <laughs> so he came in. He's like, can we, can we talk a little bit more about it? And I said, sure. And some of the things that he taught me about um, mindfulness, and I'll share one of them with you. It's something that is one of the most amazing, like, short things that you can do to become instantly mindful. I'll share that with you and your listeners. It's a great thing. Um, don't let me forget to do that, Walt. So, okay, no problem. Um, I got your back. So we talked a little bit more, went a little further. And in between those next surgeries, I went to UCLA for my undergraduate work. And so I went to UCLA Extension. I was still living in L.A. And um, they had an extension course on mindfulness. And all kinds of great people taught there. Uh, I think Kristen Neff, the self-compassion, mindful self-compassion lady, was at one time. I wish I could have learned from her. But it was, but they had really world class people, John Kabat Zinn, you know, like all the big names in mindfulness were part of this program. So I was really wanted to take a deeper dive and it was starting to make an impact and starting to make an impact. And the next time I was in, I was like, Oh, come in. We have something to talk about. <laughs> so it just this experience built. And before I knew it, um, you're not able to get rid of your chronic pain, but you can make peace with it. Um, I learned how much of chronic pain truly is from the brain signals and how much control we really do have over those signals. So it was, it was kind of a biohack that I felt I was learning being an IT person. Like I'm hacking my brain. And there, <laughs> IT, we found another IT callback. <laughs> <laughs> so, meaning so I was hacking, doing, doing some biohacking and learning that and it really became the foundation of how I started to see my world and the possibilities of my world and stopping defining myself on what I've been and the story that I was telling myself of who I was, of that bad house plant who's going to die at 55 and was relegated to just being in the corner. No longer was my story. It was no longer my identity. It was, it was nice. falling away. And then I was able to be very present, enjoy, find joy, find happiness, find self-compassion, which was like something Irish Catholic girls in Connecticut in the sixties were never taught, you know, how to love yourself. And it was like this whole new, this is a whole new thing. And I felt selfish, like, Oh no, I can't love that. That selfishness. It's like, no, it's, it's actually, you know, if you find that compassion key, whether it's through your own compassion, compassion towards others, it opens up a whole new world of gratitude, joy, attraction, happiness, all of those things that truly are attainable. And it changed my relationships, how I dealt with difficult and toxic people in my life, the chronic pain. Um, and I started planning for my future for the first time in about 10 years. I started planning a future that I was going to be in and be happy in. Yeah. And it, it fed my ability to also lose weight and see and change my identity that the potential to be a healthy person or to be as healthy as I am capable of removing the judgment, removing the number off the scale, removing all those metrics that we judge ourselves by as women, especially. Um, I mean, children as young as six now are on diets and, and comparing their bodies. It's just ridiculous what's going on out there. And to become self-compassionate and to love yourself. I was, I was starting to feel like I was developing an effortless relationship with food and my body for the first time in my life. Um, having studied ballet for more than 20 years, I starved my over muscular stumpy Irish body into trying to look like a ballerina. That was never going to happen, <laughs> but I certainly starved myself enough to get there. And it, it did a lot of metabolic damage to try to be something I wasn't. And to suddenly be more almost morbidly obese after that whole world is strange. Yeah. Um, but the pounds just started falling off. The diabetes started going away. Like everything started changing when my mindset and my identity changed. Sure. And I found that one of the the primary what I was I went back to school to be a health coach somewhere in there because I wanted to help other people, but I also wanted that education, even if I never mm -hmm. coached anyone else. I really wanted to know how this thing worked. Sure, yeah. 
uh, do everything possible, right, to know what to do, what to feed it, what to do with it, you know. And I found out that food is only about 70 to 80 percent of a solution. Mm. Like, yeah. If you wanted to have Kim Kardashian's body, you could read the article in Vogue magazine where she describes what she eats and they publish her meal plan. You could follow it to the T. But it may not give you the results that, that she's having. And it's only mm-hmm. about the food. And if you're not dealing, it's not what's on your plate. It's what's up here that right. really makes the difference. Like if you don't have the self-compassion enough to put yourself first and prioritize sleep, stress reduction, portion control, uh, eating quality foods, not cheating on yourself, your identity as a, a healthy, well person with wellness, body and mind and soul, that's not going to happen. It's just a food list. And it's why diets fail. They're built to fail. They're built for repeat customers so they continue to make $60 billion a year. Mm-hmm. They, they want you to fail because they want you to show up next year for their next points program or whatever it is. <laughs> My whole thing is to create permanent lifelong health and wellness and that effortless relationship with food in your body, no matter your age or your ability or your disability or your chronic illness of whatever you're dealing with. I found out how much was inflammatory based, how much cortisol, the stress hormone, induces inflammation. And cortisol can be completely controlled through mindfulness and mindful practices. So it really, there was this mind-body transformation thing happening, which is why I call myself a mind-body transformation coach. Um, not only because when you say health and wellness coach, people go, Ugh, another health coach, another keto, <laughs> another keto cheerleader coming to YouTube kind of thing. And so I, that ugh, kind of thing that people do when you say that. But I really wanted to get to the core of what I, I do in communicating who I am, what I'm trying to do anyway. And doing a mind-body transformation really is the key because you can't do mm. one without the other. You just can't, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. In fact, oh, so something, something I wanted to touch on too that you, you touched on briefly and I want, want to kind of bring it back. So often, even here on the program, we've talked about how the mainstream medical community resists this kind of thing. And you told a story mm-hmm. about how your own version of a duty Hauser came in and was almost preaching it. And I, I got to do a shout out to, to the, the duty mm-hmm. Hauser lookalike for doing that. That's fabulous. There's well, somebody that's... in medicine who's doing that. Yeah, that is the spinal rehab at UCLA. They now are co-owned by UCLA and Cedar Sinai. And it's it's LA. I mean, you could you could throw a rock and hit someone who's trying to be mindful, you know, or someone who's doing <laughs> yoga. It's just like it's kind of la la land in a, in a real way. But also that they had a component for the psychotherapy behind uh, chronic pain. And UCLA brought in the mindfulness as an experiment, as a pilot program. And it was mm-hmm. so successful that they developed all these doogies to come in. And would you like That's to do nice. this? Now, in terms of the, the metabolic health and weight loss stuff with doctors, they don't want to embrace any of the new thinking behind it. They continue to say, eat less, move more, calories in, mm-hmm. calories out, even though they know as scientists, technically, you know, that that's all hooey. A calorie is not a calorie. We are not that transactional that you put something in, you get, you can't exercise away ahead of time a cupcake you want to eat later. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't it work. <laughs> sounds true. It's like fat makes you fat, which it doesn't, but nope. it sounded so true that that's mm-hmm. what we grasped. And now we have an Alzheimer's epidemic because of the non-fat world that we, we've demonized fat so much that it causes demyelination of the, the, uh, neuroplastic sheath in our brains and causes those plaques. And in fact, sugar is a big contributor to Alzheimer's and it's in the middle of being repositioned and reclassified as a type three diabetes by the American Diabetes Association has that out there as a study right now. Um, so th- we're making more connections about how sugar's the bad guy, mm-hmm. not so much the fat. The fat's actually the good guy. Mm. And cholesterol's changing, how we think about that, um, yep. really kind of getting to the nitty gritty of like, why did we prophylactically give people Lipitor and yeah. the statins? Like <laughs> right. your family has high cholesterol. So it's just like aspirin. Just take it. It's, it's like, mm. no, it's not. It actually can bring on diabetes. It can bring on Alzheimer's, dementia, 
uh, atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries. Like it, it, it's insane what what that does. But to try to turn that around with people who are so steeped in that, when I tell people, talk to your doctor, because I can't tell anyone what to do with their medications, but I can give them a list of questions to ask their doctor and start a discussion with your physician about X, Y, Z. Um, it's hard. They say, well, you know, all my, my lipids are high. It's like, which ones? <laughs> Some of them are good for you. <laughs> oh, I don't know. They just, the collective number is high. The collective number. <laughs> I, my collective number is almost 300, but I'm high in all the good stuff and low in all the bad stuff. And I've had to go through so many cardiologists to find one that was actually willing to accept the new research. I've had every test known to men. I have a heart of a 15 year old. I'm fine. But, uh, surprisingly, after everything I went through, it's like, knock on wood, that is wonderful. <laughs> knock on something. But, um, you know, the doctors only get 20 hours on average in the U.S. on nutritional guidance. It's really kind of people come to them for the answers and they come out with these old, you know, eat less, move more chestnuts that just don't work. They, they do not work. If it worked, we'd all be thin, right? If it all, if it worked, and it was something that where it was just a matter of willpower. And they demonize, they really blame people. They say, oh, you don't have willpower. Your problem is you don't have willpower. You just need to move more. And I would sit there in an electric wheelchair going, you want me to move more? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and that's why they said, well, then you're just not going to be thin. And it's just. Well, we live in a blame culture. Found out the, Let's be honest. I mean, this yeah. whole culture is very blame oriented. Um, and the doctor it, who it told me that was also again. obese, which was hysterical. Yeah, right. Do as I say, <laughs> not as I do. Yeah. Like, right. Because she so, might as well have had a cigarette. Like right. that. <laughs> Stop smoking. Like, oh, okay. my goodness. Yeah. But no, um, they're true. not trained and many are just not open. And part of the problem problem to kind of take have a little compassion for the doctors here. They're overbooked. Our system sure. is so much spend five minutes with this person and move on. Oh, yeah. Five minutes with this person and move on. So medicate then to get out the prescription pad before they even walk into mm. the room and like take Lipitor, take metformin, take this, take that. And people leave take uh, another one that's not needed are all the GERD medications, all the acid reflux disease, you know, take next right. game three times a day. And it's like, well, if you eliminate sugar and don't eat three hours before bed, it goes away within a week. Mm. No. Um, what's to hate about that? And th we're treating symptoms because even in how we treat diabetes, we're dealing with a hypoglycemia, which is the high sugars, and not the actual root cause of right. type 2 diabetes, which is you're putting too much carbs in your mouth. You're eating too often. You are grazing all day and your body doesn't get a break. All that eat six to eight times a day, carry nuts around with all that. That was proven to be false 20 years ago, and people still say that over and over. Or the whole grain thing, get your whole grains. Like, there's no difference, you know, it, besides the whole grains just being tougher on your gut. They're harder to digest. There's a reason why we started removing that chaff and, and everything. Because it's brown, it doesn't make it better, you know. But removing that thinking or educating that with clients sometimes is very, very hard because that's, what's been nailed into them, you know, like I have to get, where do I get my whole grains from? Or when do I get dessert? It's not a dinner without dessert. Or can I just have a little bit of sugar? It's like, no, it, you just have to decide that it's not working for you. It's working against you. And all that kind of segues into, I don't want to get, have people have the impression that I'm like, eliminate all carbs for the rest of your life. Cause that is not no. feasible at all. But as a base, if someone's metabolically unwell, we will get them down to an elimination diet where they've removed all carbohydrates, except the ones in vegetables and, you know, natural sources. But I'm talking all the processed grains and foods and sugars, you know, the, what I call the GPS, grains, processed foods and mm -hmm. sugars, including all the industrial oils and things that are inflammatory. But as the person becomes a more healed client who has dealt with their diabetes, has dealt with their metabolic unhealth, who's gotten below the obesity range, we can start adding back in whole food carbohydrates and like tiptoeing back into that world because everybody's got their own set point of how many carbs they can handle in, in their mm -hmm. metabolism before they tip the scales into weight gain and metabolic unhealth again. 
Yeah. Some people, that's 150 carbs a day. Me, it's 72. Like, oh, we lost Alex. Um, okay. <laughs> Where is she going? taking a call. She's probably got a call oh, coming in. All right. Um, but we find where that set point is for people so they can re-enter the world. We have indulgence days and field trips where you have to go out to an Italian restaurant and to negotiate the world mm-hmm. and make this a lifelong solution. Use your mindful te- mindfulness techniques. And learn to get out there in the world, which is chock-a-box full of carbs and things that you're not supposed to eat, processed foods that aren't good for you, and how to negotiate that, maintain this health you've worked so hard at attaining, which goes back to the mindset of your identity that I'm maintaining this. I am a healthy person. I value this. This is what I'm maintaining in my life. And that mindset's huge. I mean, I, I yeah. just from your story, just how big it was in your life. In my wife's yeah. life, my, my wife went through uh, about within the last few years of hyperthyroidism, otherwise known as Graves' disease. Yeah. And they had her on a bunch of medications and so forth. And almost from the day, this is what was really interesting, because my wife and I are both into law of attraction, mindfulness and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, she has a background as a psychotherapist. To the day when they gave her the medications and she came home, she knew she had to take them. It was important to take them. Uh, but she, she walked in the door with me. She said, I'm going to get off of these. I'm, that's just, that was just the mindset. I love her. I'm going, I'm going to get off. And she did. She, and what was really interesting is that the doctors were telling her kind of what they were telling you, not that she would be a vegetable in the corner. It wasn't that bad for her, but it's that you were going to be on these medications for the rest of your life. And just don't make a fuss about it. Just take them. You'll be fine. Pop this pill. You'll be fine. And it's not, it's not a big deal. And, and, you know, well, actually what was a big deal is that they were trying to convince her that, uh, she really couldn't stay on the medications forever because they could harm her. So she had to choose between surgery and chemical, chemically castrating her thyroid. And wow. she chose none of those. And at one See, point, none the, of the, thyroid, <laughs> the thyroid medication, at one point, they had to put her on the largest dose they could put her on. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when they were really trying to sell her on those two solutions. Mm-hmm. She, she stuck to her guns. I support her along the way. And a year later, they started reducing her dosages and reducing and really? reducing until finally got to the point where they said, well, we got to take you off entirely and see how your body reacts to it because your, your figures are too far in the other direction. And so they took her off and she hasn't been on since. So, you know, the doctors, the, wow. the, this is one of the great messages that comes through. I think the doctors don't know as much as we think they do. No. It isn't so much that, <laughs> that they don't know as much as they think they do. It's they don't know as much as we think they do. We tend to ascribe to doctors a status of knowledge that they don't have. Mm-hmm. And when we take that away, very few keep up with the modern research too. The, the oh, well, research. it's impossible. There, there's just few. so much. There's so, even if if they wanted to, there's just so much research that that goes on. I mean, they'd be spending all their time in the library trying to keep up with it all because it's it the way the yeah. the, the whole medical establishment is structured. They don't actually get a nice condensed Reader's Digest version they can go through. They have to go through it the hard way, and mm-hmm. that's just very, very time-consuming. Yeah, and if you're not it. if you're not up to speed, there's a snowball effect that happens, and all of a there sudden is. they have 700 hours to do if they had. But the, exactly. I find that that the holistic practitioners tend to be a little bit more accepting and a little bit more open-minded, and are constantly in that learning state. Whereas doctors, regular Conventional physicians um, in Western medicine, particularly, um, have such a, a huge debt they get out of medical school with. There's a right. lot of financial pressure. They're not making the money that they used to in the medical field unless they publish or unless they do something big or come up with something. Exactly. Yeah. Their practices are very expensive. The malpractice insurance is ridiculous because they're a religious mm-hmm. society. The yep. stress on these doctors to simply spend that five minutes so they can bill an insurance company that may or may not pay them the couple hundred bucks that they then have to figure out how to pay all their stuff. It's I've known some physicians and been friends. It's the stress is ridiculous. It is. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's why um, I loved last year. Joe, (laughs) President Joe Biden said, I think we need to add health coaches to um, the Affordable Care Act. (laughs) <laughs> because if someone, I was like, what is that? It was a, a, in a New York Times article. I'm like, I'm grabbing that one. I, that, that's it. I speak my language. 
But he was saying that the medical, because of what we're talking about, the time and, and all the stressors, we need an intermediary between the patient and the doctor where they can get that hand-holding, the care, the coaching, mm. the um, one-on-one time. That if you're really going to make a change or make a transformation or make a medical cure or, or care for a, a patient, it takes time and hand-holding. It's like the old, old-time uh family doctor would come and really can be concerned about you. They don't have time for that. And they, if you've ever been in the hospital and they're making rounds, they come in, how are you doing? Check your numbers, what's your temperature? Bye. And they're gone. You know, if you're in a factory of like turning these people over, right. the health coach, you know, someone like me can come in and do that handholding can do that belief building, the mindset work, the, working with them on their symptoms and how can we get rid of some of the medications? How do you know when you need to have a talk with your doctor? What are the signs that you don't need blood pressure medication anymore, thyroid medication anymore? Gotten a lot of people off of Synthroid and, you know, metformin and, you know, whatever disease it is that has whatever. But I'm the intermediary. And I, I talk to a lot of my uh, clients' doctors to explain what's going on, what I've seen. And they really respect someone who has the education and the certification in a real program. Because there yeah, is a so. difference between the keto cheerleader and nothing against cheerleaders or keto. But, um, <laughs> but I am that person who can help translate what I see on the ground going on and give them that care and support that they just don't have time for. Yeah. So um, that was That's really valuable. great to hear that. that it, yeah, because I think. I'm not mistaken, and correct me, somebody who's listening, if I'm wrong, but I think his wife, Jill, First Lady Jill, had um, some issue where she had hired a health coach to help give her the care that she needed that was not a nurse, but someone who could really be a practitioner mm-hmm. with her to give her the mm-hmm. time that she needed to heal correctly. Yeah. And um, to, if you're getting people off expensive medications, I used to spend $2,600 a month on my co-payments. Mm. that I no longer have to spend. So when people say, I can't afford your services, I'm like, well, how much are you spending on your meds? (laughs) And in the U.S., you can ask that question. A person on insulin spends $14,000 a year on medication, $1,200 a month. And all you're doing is treating the symptoms. Yeah. It's It's like someone has a tumor and you're giving them Advil for their headache that goes along mm-hmm. with the tumor. You're not dealing with the tumor. Yep. I'm the person who steps in and deals with the tumor. You know, I deal with the root causes, have them change what they're eating, and doctors just scratch their heads and just like, how did, how, I've been working with this person for six years, how did you get them to change? Mm-hmm. You know, like by showing up and being there, and they borrow my hope. When they, people are hopeless. When they've gotten to a certain point, you've been really sick, Alex, you know what it's like, you've had those chronic things going on. A chronic illness is someone has super glued painful shoes to your feet and you can't take them off ever. They're on mm-hmm. your foot. You just got to make peace with it. Make peace with those shoes that are super glued to your feet. Like, you want to chop off your feet. But having those chronic things going on, you you get hopeless. You you lose faith in the system. You accept whatever, whatever fate you've been given. And you just can't rally one more time. After the dozens of diets I had tried trying to lose weight, when I said, I want to go do this thing, everybody, you know, right? the eye rolling I got, well, that happens. And so I tell people, borrow my faith that I know what I'm doing. And I guarantee my clients, I have a guarantee on my services, which are not cheap, but worth every dime. You know, I put a lot of time into people. but um, And I care about their outcomes and what happens with them for their lifetime. And first thing we do is we sit down and we figure out how much they're spending that they may not have to. And it also has to do with processed food is also very expensive and how to pull back from some of those things that will be there, the kind of ways you're not going to be missing work anymore or having sick days because of whatever health condition you have that we're going to be working on. But also, you know, is borrow the hope. If, if you don't have hope, you can borrow mine. And we are going to figure out how to connect you in with a future that you may not even be able to imagine yet. But I guarantee, I have a guarantee that says if you don't meet those goals, if you do this one more time, you're going to try to lose weight. 
if it doesn't work for you to get lose weight and get healthy or improve your chronic illness, whatever that goal is for you, I will give every dime back. I will cut a check back to you for the full amount. I'd be happy. I have never had to cut one yet. I mean, I know it's no shock that 100% of the people that do 100% of the work get 100% of the results. (laughs) But, um, you know, people who show up, I can help them. Those people I can help. And I just don't want people to feel stress or pressure when I'm trying to help them not to. I want them to feel partnered with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why would you want people to be stressed? You want you want them to feel encouraged. Like you said, they're in a bad emotional state. You want to help yeah. improve their emotional state because that's that's a key portion of mindset. If your emotional state is off, your mindset's off. So yeah, yeah. that's a big deal. By the way, you mentioned something to to me earlier, and I, I'm bringing it back. You said uh, I should remind you to tell people oh. about the, the the mindset mindfulness thing. Yeah. All right. You guys probably know this one already, but maybe your listeners don't. So this is a wonderful way that someone demonstrated to me exactly what mindfulness is so if you have a pen there handy yep. you guys do you have a pen can you pick up a pen i don't have a pen <laughs> a pencil a crayon a <laughs> mascara <laughs> an <laughs> eyeliner negative <laughs> a spoon wooden spoon anything you yeah. can hold in your hand pick up anything you can hold in your hand <laughs> let me check okay i got it Got something? Great. Everybody hold it out in front of you like you're holding it in your hand like this. Okay. All right. Now, this is a problem. This is a toxic person. This is chronic pain. This is uh, the stress of trying to not see yourself as a sick person anymore. And you're having a hard time having compassion for yourself, let alone anyone else. And you just want to blow your top. Right. But you're holding it like this. Right. This is what it is. Now, when you want to blow your top and you're not able to find that compassionate, mindful place, you might grip that like this. So everybody grip as hard as you can on whatever it is. Keep mm-hmm. squeezing and squeezing harder, 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 harder. Now, what if you did this forever? How would your hand feel? Very painful. Mm-hmm. Alex, how would it feel? Hurtful. All right. So this is holding a pen or this is holding whatever you're holding in your hand. Now open up your hand and do this. How does that yeah. feel? A lot better. Much better. Right. You can hold it forever, very lightly in your hand. They're both holding the pen or whatever you have in your hand. Right. It's just a matter of how you approach that. That's mindfulness. That's a whole that, thing. That's a, that, that's a great way to illustrate and to help someone experience release. That That's relieving. Yeah. Real, relief through the release, let, letting go. That That's yeah. literally letting go. Yeah. Letting go of the pressure. But you're on still holding it. You're not yeah. dropping it on the ground. I mean, you're still right. confronted with that person or that situation or whatever it is. And you can just be with it. It's it's still going on. You're not ignoring yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing you have the control over. That's the control aspect that I gravitated towards because I was out of control. And I was looking for some control that I could have over my health and how I felt about my life. And... Yeah. I think that's the number one decision is deciding that you're going to just hold the pen. You know, yeah. that's, that's like that first step. It, it, that well, works for step. kids too. Kids really get that. Oh, yeah. a lot. That's great. It'll, it'll work yeah. With anybody, I would think. yeah. Uh, because what you're really talking about here is, is how am I going to focus my attention on what I need instead of what I've been giving my attention to, which is what I don't need. Right. That's, that's all the kind of things. Yeah. It those is. those I mean, are the it... things that I teach in the, uh, my program's called the Mind Body Reboot Method. Mm-hmm. And it's a 12 week program that's all driven through an app. And my tech world helped me build and program an app so that I could administrate it without having my body have to show up as much. But it also puts me in the palm of people's hand. Like you said, Alex, it, and you, can't, you always have your phone with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really revolutionized how many people I'm able to help. And, and the depth at which I'm able to help people and have them feel completely engaged in the process of their transformation. So, but that's the kind of things that we teach. And there's libraries of videos, recipes, meal plans, like all those kind of things on there for them to follow that. But that's why I called it mind body reboot method because we're trying to reboot your mind body relationship. And it's not like there is a lack of, of stories and, and anecdotal situations 
where people have been able to use a mindset, a, a mind body reboot. There's actually a great library of it, if you will. There's a, oh, a yeah. great collection of, of, of tales that people have told, personal um, testimonial type tales talking about how making changes in the way that they think about things and the way that they look at things and the way that they feel and, and, and you know, what, how they spend their time, whether they're spending their time focusing their attention on all the stuff that they don't like and how they're feeling weak and powerless and so forth, or are they spending their time focusing on feeling better and what, what, what's it going to take for me to get into a better space and how can I look at it differently? And what, yeah. you know, is it, is it possible for me to actually get off a of medication at some point? And then, yeah. you know, the, the whole thought process is huge. It's a huge, yeah. it's a big, big deal. And the good yeah. part is more and more people are becoming aware of that. I think mm -hmm. mindset now, you mentioned Los Angeles, certainly. Yeah. That's kind of like huh. the mindset. It's the epicenter. World. Yes. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> but, but it's not like it's limited to Los Angeles anymore. No. I, I think no. you mentioned uh, being a, a Connecticut Catholic. I'm in Connecticut. Uh, you know, Alex is in, you are? in the Cape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm in Simsbury. Right. And, oh, and I was born in, in Waterbury, so. grew up in Watertown, and moved to Fairfield. I, I lived in Naugatuck, yeah. So we, we, we really, my grandparents yeah, were in Naugatuck. <laughs> my grandpa was a was a foreman at Chase Steel when Chase okay. was there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> but you know, it, that's the point, though. It it may it, it's no longer Los Angeles. It has covered the entire country. Yeah. It's gone out of the boundaries. It's now reaching countries around the world. And, and more and more people, they, people may not know exactly why mindset is important. They may not really get the whole science of it. They may not get the spirituality. Or why of it, it matters. Yeah. Or why it yeah. matters. But they've heard about it now and they're hearing yeah. about it more and more. And so it's the, in the, it's almost like the world Definitely. is collectively perking up our ears. Yeah. Saying, Oh, oh, there, there's something going on here. What is this yeah. thing? You know, so yeah, me, we that's call that exciting. In, in the program, we call that developing a wellness mindset. And it's yeah. one of our biggest retreats that we do every year, every fall. We do a big retreat. This year, it's going to be in Toronto. Um, pulled it out of a hat from where my clients are. Everybody's like, <laughs> come to my town. Uh, but it's going to be in Toronto in, in September this year. I'll definitely get you the information. I'd love to invite you both to be, be part of that. But it's an entire weekend with all kinds of mindfulness guests and authors and just sharing current ideas about all the ways to develop a wellness mindset, which is how we talk about it in the program. Something else I want to touch on too. You mentioned how uh, one of the keys is coming to terms with uh, dealing with pain and, and basically not being governed by pain anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. still there, but but you're not governed by it. Uh, and I just wanted to throw out there, there are people who have also managed to eliminate pain. Uh, and I, I can think of one story that happened just within the last uh, the past four or five months. Um, I, I had a special event and one of my listeners attended the event and she had been suffering from symptoms, pain related to fibromyalgia for over 40 years. And in the midst of the event, we, we weren't even focusing on health, on, on healing. We were focusing on money issues, which was really odd. <laughs> but we were doing a, a special little workshop. One of uh, my other co-hosts, actually Dan, who does the uh, Thursday show with us, was leading this workshop. And he was kind of just leading people through, here, here's a backdoor process to get behind your, 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 your conscious mind and, and start releasing things and so forth. And in the midst of doing that, all of a sudden she released all of her pain. She released all of it. And, and, and she was astonished. Yeah. At it. And she was telling us about it afterward. And everyone's like every couple of weeks ago or, or so, I get an email saying, Hey, I'm still pain free. I'm loving this. So I, I don't. I don't say oh. this to say everybody's going to lose their pain. I'm just saying it can be done. Yeah. There's all different types of pain. Fibromyalgia is very interesting. I had been diagnosed with it, but I don't think I ever, I think it ended up being more lupus related. Mm. Yeah. But there's all different reasons for pain. I've done quite mm -hmm. a bit of study about it. Um, there's a great book called You Are Not Your Pain, which is about mindfulness and pain. If you haven't yeah. read it, it's excellent. If you have anybody in pain, it's a great read. It's very practical. There are little things in there that are, um, what do you call them? He calls them practicums that you can do inside of there and really learn some techniques to help manage it. But when you have chronic pain like I do, where you have an actual physical screw going through your C6 nerve or something, that's you can't think that away. Mm -hmm. But you can make peace with it in a way that when it flares up, I can very quickly tell my brain that this is not permanent because it's almost the panic of that, of the super glued painful shoes on your feet kind of thing. Oh no, here comes yet another shoe I got to wear, you know? Right, right. Um, and just saying this can pass. 
you know, that this has a beginning and an end. And so there's all those mindfulness, mindfulness techniques with different types of chronic pain. Fibromyalgia is a pain storm. They're still learning what causes it. And since so much of the pain has to do with that amygdala panic attack that happens, that the, the pain centers in fibromyalgia are all around the different chakras. It's no surprise to me that they are. There's so much tied into how our energy flows. And one of the things you can do with mindfulness and with meditation is change the flow of your energy and where your chi goes. It's a big part of it works hand in glove with a lot of those kind of same techniques. It's a fascinating study. But I, I because that was my starting point. That was my you really touched on something big for me because my first step was Doogie looking around the corner in his little crisp little white coat looking 12 years old. Um, that was my first step and I was not obviously open to it at all, but it changed my life (laughs) and it changed the lives now of dozens of people I've worked with. And that's that global thing that you like, it, it glows and he, and if you're watching this doogie, I don't even remember your name. <laughs> I, I might just send a copy of this recording down to the UCLA Spinal Rehab so they can go, yeah, we did a good job. Yeah, there you go. Right. There you um, go. There, yeah. But um, no, it really is um, a, a lifelong goal of mine, much bigger than the health and wellness field to really focus on the, the chronic pain aspects because it can stump your life and it can make sure. you chronically ill in a lot of other ways to have chronic oh, pain yeah. taking over your life. You're not aware of how much you're in control of it, but there there are painful situations where you can't eliminate it and some that you people have had success in doing so. So I don't want to set anybody up with the expectation that no matter where your pain's coming from, you should be able to master it. There's not that like, there's nothing wrong with you if you're not able to do that. You're not, a bad meditator or a bad mindfulness mm-hmm. practitioner that there's all different types of pain and not all of them have to be medicated actually can make all kinds of other problems. One of the biggest fibromyalgia medications out there, Cymbalta has a side effect of deep muscle aches and pains and it's a painkiller for neuropathic pain associated with fibromyalgia, but it causes weight gain sleeplessness, mm, nausea. Yeah. I mean, the side effects are basically fibromyalgia. Right, yeah. So I was like, okay, if you if you took a headache medication and the side effect was headaches, you'd be like, why why am I taking something <laughs> it, for headaches right that a, gives me headaches? You know, it's right it's out of a joke that I heard in a, in a, uh, um, a comedy television show where, oh, do tell. where, where the uh, character in the show said uh, he was once uh, prescribed seasickness pills and one of the uh, Side effects of the seasickness pills was nausea. Nausea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had that on their si- Jerry Seinfeld had that on the Seinfeld when they went out on the boat. He's like, why do my seasickness pills have a side effect of nausea, dizziness? Yeah, what is exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, but it is. Those little patches you put behind your ears for seasickness, they can make you nauseous. It's like insanity. Insanity. Well, I can tell you what's not insanity. That is having this conversation with you has been wonderful. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. But before we lose you, we got to get some information because you've been telling people about this program that you got, but we don't know where to find it yet. So how do they find you? Well, step one is to find me online. They can go to optimalhealthreboot.com. And on there, they can read more about me and see about the program and everything. But there's a big link on every page, a big button that says to start the conversation and to book a wellness strategy call with me. And we'll see if you qualify to see if I'm able to help you or if I can make other recommendations for you. Um, if that's the case, and if you tell me that you come from this podcast I would be happy to give everybody one third off the program if they just let me know that they oh, downloaded wow. this. Yep, right wow. off the top. Fantastic. I'd love to do that for you if you came. And from we'll me. make sure that we'll include that in the show notes too, so that they just. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. There, oh, yeah. I'll just we'll have a chat. We'll talk about what you're dealing with. We'll see if it's something that I can help. And if I cannot help you, I will definitely point you in the right direction, so you'll Beautiful. get something out of it. Sheila, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us on the I program I had the best today. time. Thank you good. so much. Well, I we really, call it really the Daily Dose of Happy for a reason. We want you to feel good afterwards. So mission accomplished. Oh, I cannot <laughs> wait to get a link and share this far and wide. Really, truly. And Alex, it was lovely meeting you, Miss Purple. 
as well. And I hope you continue to feel better, my dear. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. So touch base with me. Let me see if I can help you with anything. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. This has been great. Well, so thank you very much. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next Bye. time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.